Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I always love to have Neil Solon, the Rays pre- and post-game host. We're going to speak to him here in just a second. But, Steve, first, my observations, and tell me where I'm wrong and tell me where I'm right. When I watch the Rays, who, who most days are uh, certainly outgunned with all the injuries they have, uh, what is it, 16, I think, on the IL now, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially when they go against American League East teams like the Red Sox uh, or the Yankees or any of them, I think, okay, there's no way. <laughs> you know, just look at the paper, uh, uh, play to play, you know, pitcher to pitcher, whatever, whatever the matchups are, uh, that this team is going to find a way. And, you know, they, they remember the lightning were the findaways for a while um, when they had a, a number of injuries themselves. Um, but this game the other night, like, like Corey Kluber pitches as well as you can possibly pitch. And yet a couple of bleeders at, you know, 60 miles an hour off the bat and all of a sudden he's down two to nothing. Um, but the Rays, you know, just just keep pounding away and fighting. Uh, and after Chris Sale leaves the game, they, they're, they're able to, you know, to score a couple runs on a crazy play with a line drive by Taylor Walls back through the box and a, a throwing error at first and then one back to home play. Like, this team, when they're all together, and I don't know that they will be whole the whole season, obviously. We got, you know, who knows what happens. We wonder if it's supposed to come back and, and Brandon Lau is close. But they have a character, and maybe it's just the DNA of the franchise, uh, but whether it's Isak Paredes or, or, or Harold Ramirez, and, and we're going to talk about the joy that he plays with, the guys that they have, that they have discovered and, and have had to play um, have, have picked up the rope, so to speak. And I'm just impressed by, you know, it's always opportunity for somebody else when someone has misfortune, um, but the battle of of this organization, the DNA is still there. Like you see night in, night out, take the names off the uniforms. The Rays are still the Rays. When you have pitching that's as good as the Rays have had for many years now, yeah, you're always in every game. That's right. You know, that's even right. if you're behind, you've got confidence. You're not going to give up anymore. That's right. We just got to catch whatever the number is. So. Tuesday night, and we're taping this before Wednesday's game. Tuesday night, you're down 2-0. Okay, we need three. We don't need five or six. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, we gave up a couple runs, but we're not going to give up anymore. Right. You know, there's a lot of teams where, all right, we gave up three runs in the first three innings, but we're going to need six or seven tonight to win because our bullpen's going to give up two more. They know That's that. That's right. The Rays don't have that issue, which gives them a confidence. And, sure, sometimes they don't score very much, and – but they they take lineups like the Yankees, like the Red Sox, and and they don't score what they normally score. No, I mean the Yankees won the last two series against the Rays. They didn't score a lot. No, they Rays didn't. scored Eight less runs. Yeah. in one series, yeah. and a lot of them were unearned. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Rays pitching staff can shut a lineup down. Yeah, if they can get some hitting, that's when this team gets scary. And because of all the injuries five regulars on the IL right now, they don't have a lot of hitting. 
so you're piecing it together, trying to scrape across a three two win where mm-hmm. you know, if that ball doesn't hit Strom in the, the wrist, you know, they probably don't score on that play. Whether they continue that inning, who knows? Right. I mean Walls was gonna be safe at first, but if he doesn't throw that to first, if he just eats it, yeah. Now you still gotta manufacture scoring. some runs. Mm. Yeah, you make a good point because it it's you know okay, even the other night with Chris Sale, who was dealing by the way, mm-hmm. they they really did nothing with him. Um but at some point he was on a pitch count, he was coming back, you know, off the IL himself. And you kind of knew that like the you know, the Rays bullpen, like you said, they got two runs, okay, no more. Like they could they they may shut this lineup out the rest of the way. You can't say that about it about many teams. But the Rays know that when they get into your bullpen, they can scrape they can scrape together some offense. They can they can still come and that's why they've had so many comeback wins because their their pitching has been able to keep them in games and then shut the door when they're able to get the lead uh late, you know, in the eighth and ninth inning. So it's a formula. It's been here, you know, for I don't know how many years now, oh eight. I mean, how far back do you want to go? Um, but it still works today and it's remarkable, um, just sort of you know, and and also just the way they play. They play really hard. You know, for, forget about whether they're outgunned uh, by a payroll or a lineup. I mean, the Red Sox are one of the best hitting teams in baseball. And you look at that offense, and you put, I mean, how hard is it for him, you know, for them to write a lineup every day? Uh, or the Yankees, too, for that matter. And now you look at the American League East, which we're going to talk about with Neil and the Baltimore Orioles uh, as we do this podcast. have won nine in a row, and they're, they're certainly back in the mix. Uh, it, it's just... It's such a tough division, and um, but but such a a a formula and a a a tough DNA that the Rays play with. I'm telling you, don't let them get people healthy now because Brandon Lau's on his way back. We'll we'll discuss that with Neil. Um, you know, it's going to be many weeks, but Wander will be back at some point. Uh, and if they ever get just you know a little bit more whole, uh, the way Yandy Diaz and some of these guys are playing, it's going to be very interesting if and when they get into the postseason. And uh, I'm sure there won't be many teams, uh, and it turns out to be a, probably a lot of teams in the American League East that they may have to face the Rays again uh, in a series or two. So, hey, just like the Rays could use a little power boost right about now, so could you. Uh, call our friends at May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Now, in a field where there's all these fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every install, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That's the May difference. So if you visit their Hutchins showroom, May Electric displays all its products and and, uh, conducts on-site testing so you can see what they'll install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today and call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long and preserve your quality of life and preserve your appliances as well. That's May Electric Solar. I would join now by the Rays pre- and post-game host. You hear him on this day, this week in Rays baseball, Neil Solons. And Neil, I... We've talked about this the last time we had you on. It hasn't gotten much better in terms of the injury luck. Uh, I, I pick up the Tampa Bay Times this morning as we do this podcast, and I see that they have 16 players now on the IL, the most in the majors, and yet 
with their three to two win again uh taping this on Wednesday over the Red Sox, they moved to forty seven and forty, uh, which put them past the Red Sox at the time, into second place in American League East and atop the wild card field. We may look back at this as one of the better uh, race seasons of all time, given given the number of, of significant injuries and as many as five everyday players out of that lineup for a long period of the season. Um, I know it's been tough at times, but but you have to give it to the resiliency of this of this organization, this ball club, and also they've made some discoveries along the way. In, at the end of the day, this may become uh, a better team in some ways when they're all back together again. I certainly hope so, and I hope there is a day where they're all back together again. You know, I, yeah. I think um, from a fan standpoint, I can understand you know how difficult it, it can be. You know, even from a broadcaster standpoint, you know, sure. it's it is somewhat challenging to know how much work is being put in, and you know, some of the injuries themselves are, are just freak uh, freak issues. You know, yeah. uh, one swing and Wander Franco goes down with a handmade injury, yeah. and. You know, it's certainly not something you can expect when, when uh, you know, when the season starts. But I do give them a lot of credit for fighting through. I mean, it starts with, with Kevin Cash and the coaching staff and yeah. the front office and the players themselves. I mean, they, they all, you know, continue to pull the same rope. Um, and, and that's why I think they're at least in a pretty good position, all things considered. And I think that uh, the strength of this team has had, as it's been in the past, uh, it has been their pitching. Um, and and as much as the bullpen has been terrific, the starting pitching, uh, especially by the anchors of that staff. But let, let's talk uh, and, and start with the brightest spot, I think, of the season, which is Shane McClanahan, who is going to be a first-time All-Star. It was great to see his reaction the other day when he was named to the team. Uh, certainly worthy of being the starter in the game. We'll see what happens there. Um, we've talked about him with you a little bit in the past, but um, he's doing stuff now, Neil. Maybe you can put it in perspective that few left-handers in baseball have done. Yeah, it's um, few pitchers, I would say. I mean, yeah, right. You know, I, I mean, here we are, you know, going into his Wednesday start where he's had eleven straight starts with two earned runs or fewer, six innings or more, and seven strikeouts or more. I mean, like mm. th- that's. In, in today's day and age, especially, um, that's incredible. And and I think, really, if you look at a big reason why the Rays are where they are, it's because of the work that he's doing and how the Rays can use their pitching staff in the days before and after Shane McClanahan has, has worked. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're almost guaranteed to get six innings or more. And not only six innings or more, but six innings of great quality. Um, and, and I think it's the other stuff that he's doing too, you know, the, the poise that he shows, the, the mound presence. And I think there are some who believe at 25 years of age, he's starting to become somewhat of a leader in that clubhouse too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, you never hear him say a bad word about any teammate. He is always praising his teammates. He is always pulling for them in the, in the dugout. You know, he's extremely active on the day he pitches on the day he doesn't pitch. Um, and I think when, when your best player is one of your best teammates, it sets a great example for the group. Yeah, no doubt about it. His, his mental makeup has been terrific. And, and, and Neil, if you were just looking to compare him um, year to year, right, what, what has been 
um, aside from uh, his leadership and, and just his consistency. But what has allowed him to do that? Is it the command of all four of those pitches? You rarely see a guy um, with that kind of velocity that can literally throw four-plus uh, pitches up there for strikes. And, and I think not only four-plus pitches, but he really uses them fairly equally at times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is extremely rare. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the unicorn, um, you know, it, 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 you know, you always back in the day, it was always, you had a big fastball, you threw the big fastball and obviously the yeah. game has changed dramatically. And to be able to throw two breaking balls and a change up and get swings and misses on all of them, um, you know, basically makes it near impossible uh, to get in the box and say, okay, what's your plan? Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I think Shane always has a way of combating a plan, and I think he also has a way to adjust. Um, I think he reads hitters better than he ever has. I think his mound presence is, is is extremely impressive. And I think more than that, you know, he you know he touched on how excited he was to go to the All-Star game and, and chat with Clayton Kershaw, who's, you know, like mm. his um, – the, the 10-year-old in Shane McClanahan is really excited to meet him, as, as he mm. would say. And, and I think mm. in large part because Clayton Kershaw was always trying to get better. And I think that's kind of Shane's mantra is how can I get better? How can I stay a step ahead of everybody? Okay, I'm good, but I, I can be better than this. And the fact that he set such a high bar, the fact that he um, is so self-aware and self-critical and great at evaluating himself, I think allows someone to become more than a good player, but becomes a great player. Yeah, the concern, you know, just watching him as a young uh, a year ago was that he almost was too hard on himself, it seemed at times. But that's really just the edge that he carries with him every day. Yeah, I mean, you go back and look at the Boston start that he had in the postseason. Could you argue that if, if it were not, you know, in part because of that Boston start, maybe it, it you know, it led him to say, well, this isn't good enough. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't this isn't great. I need to be great. Um, yeah. And, and it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. And and he has certainly walked the walk and talked the talk. He's done both. And and that's a rarity in any sport, as you know, having, you know, covered, you know, professional yeah. sports for so long. And, you know, he's he's um, I, I certainly don't think anyone anticipated that he could become this good this quickly when he was yeah. drafted at a USF. Right. No, absolutely. And there's something also to. Um, and this was discussed before the season, like the, the pressure of being the guy that takes the ball um, as the ace, right? A, 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 as the guy that's, that, that very often will be going against the other team's best pitcher or, you know, you know, to your point, the ability to go deep into games and the expectations, all that comes with that. He's really embraced, but more than that, he's, he's, out, he's performed that way. He has, but I don't think he looks at it that way um, that often. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he, he feels, yes, I'm really important to this club, and if he doesn't perform, he is the first to, to be really, sure. really hard on himself. Sure. But I think he also realizes, hey, this is still a good pitching staff, and if I right. do my job every fifth day, there's trickle-down. And, and I think you know there's a reason that the Rays put Shane Boss's locker right next to Shane McClanahan. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's some value in that because they really believe that, you know, Shane Boss can be a terrific, terrific young pitcher, and he's only, what, eight, nine starts into his, yeah. uh, into his, you know, big league career. Um, you know, and I think also on the flip side, I think having Corey Kluber around Shane Absolutely. has really helped him because 
you know, Corey Kluber is um, from a stuff standpoint is not the same pitcher he was when he was a two-time Cy Young Award winner. But his ability to prepare, um, to mentally get ready, to be consistent every day, to be a good teammate, to evolve as a pitcher is something that Shane McClanahan can learn from and, and really help him grow over the years. Yeah, and credit Kluber the other night. Um, he, I guess he just celebrated 10 years in the majors, uh-huh. which you cannot say that about many guys in the game um, today uh, or in the past for that matter with, with really a, another great performance. He was, he was really unlucky. Neil, I saw him give up the two runs and I went like, okay, which, which of these balls did you hit over 70 miles an hour? <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, you like, there are certain days where you could give up no runs and say, man, I got a little lucky. And then there's yeah. a, a day like this where I actually thought he was the best I'd seen him this year. I really did. I mean, he had seven yeah. swings and misses in the first inning, and he ended up with with 14. And I thought really in the first five innings there wasn't a single ball really squared up against him, uh, yeah. maybe one. Uh, you know, I, I thought he really mixed well. I thought he executed well. And he was doing it against a Boston team. Let's be frank, scored a lot of runs against the Yankees last weekend. Sure did. And they were seeing him for a second time in as many starts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's not like – Corey Kluber, he's, I mean, he's topping out at 90-91. Um, you know, he's doing it with movement, with smarts, with guile, with location, with, with changing speeds. That's not easy to do when you're in like an 80 to 91 mile an hour window with your stuff. Um, you've got to really understand what you're trying to do and, and have great conviction. And I think those are among the things that he has possessed all year. And, you know, he also has been... I think, uh, barring maybe, what, three starts? I mean, he's been really, really good for the Rays this year. And, again, also a really consistent figure in the clubhouse for the young guys. Yeah, they rarely miss when they come up with a veteran pitcher like that to add to their staff. Um, we'll, we'll get into the injuries. I mean, it's, it is the story of the season for the Rays. And, and none bigger, obviously, than, than Wander Franco, who, who battled you know the, the leg injuries. Uh, I think they they were very careful in bringing him back at the right time. They didn't want a recurrence of that. Uh, and Neil, you can speak to just like the immediate change in the lineup or on the field, but defensively, offensively, just just the whole picture looks different. If Wander Franco is in your lineup, nothing you can do about a broken bone in the hand. That's just unfortunate. So now he's going to miss a good amount of time again. Um, but just in that period that that Wander was back, I mean. How different is it with, with when you take a, a young superstar like that out of your lineup every day? It's an energy. It's a presence. It's an aura. And I yeah. thought, you know, that he really played hurt with the quad injury, probably mm-hmm. from the Cubs series all the way until he went on the IL. And I thought it was taking him some time when he came back to start to find himself. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he's getting one hit every day and, for a few days there, a walk every day. And you're starting to see um, the types of things, again, that make him special, that he can impact the game with his legs, with his arm, with his glove, with his bat for contact, with his bat for power. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this happens. And, you know, it, it, it I thought, took a lot of pressure off a lot of guys, too, you know, mm-hmm. because he sits there in the two or three hole in the lineup and you start to move everybody down. And I was just starting to envision, boy... Him and Brandon Lau at the top, and now you start to move guys down, and then the same day he gets hurt and KK gets hurt. Um, and you're like, when is this going to start to look the way it's supposed to? Um, is it going to look the way it's supposed to? So 
Um, I think in, in, at least in Wander's case, I think there is optimism for him, him returning. It's really a, a question of, as a 21-year-old, is he a quicker healer than most? Uh, and what does that yield? All right. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, you mentioned one guy that uh, seems to be on his way back. We'll knock on virtual wood here uh, uh-huh. as we say this. Uh, but Brandon Lau has, has played some games now in Durham, has actually swung the bat pretty well down there. Um, they're looking, I guess, sometime after the All-Star break. So with any luck, uh, they might have a huge part of their lineup back after the All-Star break. I think he actually, I mean, there's a chance, Rick, he could be back this weekend. Um, okay. You know, Brandon had four at-bats on Tuesday and was three for four with two doubles and three runs scored and played seven innings at second. Wednesday, as we tape this, he's scheduled to play nine innings, a full game at second, and then Thursday DH, and then they're going to see how he feels. Um, I I don't know that they would put him right in the lineup on Friday and have him travel, but they are in in Gwinnett, Georgia, so it's a short flight from Atlanta to to Tampa St. Pete. So it's it's possible – um, but I think, you know, he could be active Saturday, Sunday, and then get the four day break. I think they want to see how he feels, how he's responding, how his body feels. Um, but I think, you know, if nothing else, even if the race, if, if everything goes well and they decide after the break, it certainly would be a welcome sight because look, this, the, one of the few things that this team has, one of the things that this team has been lacking is that power presence. I mean, with, with Brandon now, with Mike Zanino out, you're talking 72 home runs that you took out of last year's lineup. No and both question. guys were playing hurt before they went on the injured list this year. Um, that was clear. And to have a healthy Brandon Lau in your lineup is, is an immediate game changer. And I think, it, again, it takes pressure off guys around, and it also makes it harder to pitch to other guys because you know that Brandon's coming up at some point, and if you allow other guys to get on base – um, all of a sudden you can come up with a crooked number on the board. No question. They missed that power uh, this year as a team, and, and certainly Lau leading them a year ago uh, with the home runs. Um, let's talk about some of the bright spots because, you know, opportunity uh, is the, you know, the reverse of somebody's unfortunate um, situations mm-hmm. like injuries. And, and some of these guys have certainly made the most of their opportunity. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, Isak Paredes, who – has become, you know, their sort of their power bat. Uh, certainly went through a streak that was unbelievable in baseball. Um, what do you have, like four home runs, I think, in, a, in just a few at-bats. Uh, mm-hmm. Three one night, let off the next night, his first at-bat with a home run. But he certainly has been a, a big surprise. And also, you know, his versatility uh, from a position standpoint has been remarkable to me. He makes it seem seamless whether wherever they put him, put him in the infield. He definitely is is a comfortable at bat and comfortable in the field, and I think that you know he can do a lot of different things. It's not only the power, but he has the ability, as he did on Tuesday night, in a in a big spot to draw a walk, to hit mm-hmm. line drives, to use mm-hmm. the field. 
Um, you know, I think when the Rays got him, they felt that this was a great bat-to-ball guy, and um, with power developing, and he's still only 23 years of age. So, you know, there was a reason they traded Austin Meadows for him is because, you know, as much as they liked Austin, they, they felt that this was a guy who could fill an important need for them and, and long-term be a valuable part of of the group on the infield. And, and I think that with he and a couple of the other guys, you know, even with Wander's injury and Manuel Margot's injury, and those are really good contact guys too, um, you know, you add Harold Ramirez and Yadi Diaz, who I think also have been really pleasant surprises. And potentially in September, if you had all five of those guys together, you've got a lot of, you know, gap to gap, the ability to hit the home run ball, uh, the ability to hit the line drive, and in and, and a game where strikeouts are so big, the ability to make contact when needed. Yeah, no question. He's been a, a surprise. And I think um, you mentioned him. You know, they had <laughs> they had Harold Ramirez mic'd up, which I thought was interesting in and of itself. <laughs> um, you probably are aware of this because you're around the ball club all the time. Uh, I've seen him in the dugout, and he certainly is up on the top step uh, frequently. But I didn't realize the joy that Harold Ramirez oh. brings to baseball. What a, does he enjoy the game or what? He is such a trip. Um, when when the Rays win, and, and normally on our broadcast we would do a post game interview in the clubhouse. I, I you know it's someone from the from the dugout. He mm-hmm. is the favorite of Dave and Andy. He's my favorite. <laughs> I did a one on one with him, and he was just uh, for for this week in Rays baseball. He's just such a treat to talk to and have conversations with. And yeah. you know, this is really the first team that he's been on at the big league level where he's had a chance to go to the postseason. And wow. he, he he really wants that opportunity, and he relishes coming to the ballpark every day with a chance to win. Um, and I think when you're you've bounced around and you've been with a handful of teams and you have this opportunity, you take hold of it. And, you know, I think, I think back to March when the Rays acquired him near the end of spring training and everyone was talking about, okay, who's the right-handed power bat you can grab. And I think when the Rays got him, they said, well, he's not a power bat, but we really feel he can be a, a, you know, a help. And then beyond that, Terry Francona said, he's not a good guy. He's a great guy in your clubhouse. And Tito and, and, and Kevin Cash go, you know, extremely far back, and there's a great rapport there. And what Terry Francona says, a guy's a great clubhouse guy, you know, um, w- without being prompted, you know that you've got a good guy. And mm-hmm. uh, it has certainly lived up to billing and more, I think. Yeah, just just fun to watch that whole se- The sequence was uh, the one where um, the Rays end up scoring two runs on that comebacker to the mound and the throwing error, and it just got crazy there for a while. But he was... He was excited. It was uh, <laughs> it was fun to see. Um, I wanted to uh, you know to, to talk about Yandy Diaz and what he has done. You know, when you lose guys, you 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 look for other players um, that you count on to do even more if possible. But Yandy was already such a big part of, of of this team and this offense in terms of his ability to to get on base. Um, you know, to to take to take pitches. He's probably. Um, got the best eye, I guess you would say, of guys that can organize a strike zone. He's he's never an easy out, um, but now he's on a tear that is like really none in the American League at this moment. Um, what have you seen from him in terms of just that? That he's another guy that brings a ton of joy to the clubhouse every day and loves to play. But just the ability of, of him to to even take more of the leadership mantle, maybe while these other guys are down. You know, especially when you consider that the Rays have a, a lot of. Um 
Spanish-speaking players on the roster, whether it's yeah. Torres and and Jonathan Aranda, um, mm-hmm. and for the time, obviously Vidal Brujan was here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think having a guy who's been there, done that, really, really helps. And I, you know, when I think of Yandi, first I, you know, I think of the smile he has in his face, but I also think of when he hit the two home runs in Oakland in the wild card game. And I remember being on the field with him and uh, Juan Toribio, who was covering. The race for the time from MLB.com asked him, you know, are you nervous? You know, you're playing in front of 50,000 people, you know, here in here in Oakland. And he goes, well, when I played in Cuba, um, the fans in the stands had guns. So this doesn't worry me so much. And, wow. and, and I, I just remember that as like, here's a low heartbeat guy who's not going to get phased by anything. Yeah. And I think it allows him to slow the game down and have the quality of bat he does. And it doesn't seem to matter whether it's Boston, New York, Toronto, whatever it is. I think he really enjoys that. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes I see other players from other teams chatting with him. I think they all, you know, I think he enjoys engaging and loves the game. And, and I think it rubs, it, it's genuine. Um, and I think um, it, you know, hopefully, you know, it rubs off on a lot of guys with this group and and continues to, you know, kind of fuel them going forward. Uh, his smile is disarming. It's also infectious. Uh, you're right. When you see him uh, either play first base or get to a to to a bag, it seems like um, <clears throat> everybody is, is, is wanting to chat him up a little bit. And so that's that's a lot of fun. We could go down the lineup as much as we want to. But let's talk about a couple guys that have been put in positions that Quite frankly, you know, playing every day uh, in the majors is a hard thing to do, especially you know mm-hmm. the first time around. Um, but Taylor Walls has struggled. There's no secret about that. Um, you've not gotten the offensive uh, production that that he would have expected, or anyone for that matter. But you know, with all the injuries to Wander Franco and his versatility in the infield, he's had to play a lot of baseball. Um, what have you made of the way Taylor has has had to battle through what's really been some adversity, especially on, at the plate? No question. Um, and, and even like some areas like the base running, um, which yeah. he yeah. was known as a really good base runner in the minor leagues. And I think sometimes when you struggle um, and probably more struggles than he's ever had at the minor league level, um, there is a tendency to try and do too much um, mm-hmm. and try and make up for it and try and get two hits in and a bat on occasion. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that the last several weeks since he's replaced the times that he's replaced Wander at shortstop, I think his defense has been much more consistent and much more solid. Um, And, and he's been that guy that he was last year. I think offensively, you know, the, the line drive that he hit off Matt Strom, obviously, you know, as we record this, I still hope that Strom's okay. We haven't heard anything yet. Um, you know, but I thought it was good to see him hit a line drive up the middle. Because I, I think probably one of the things that has gotten him in trouble is, you know, he hit a game-winning homer off the foul pole, um, but he's got three home runs this year. And I think if you look at his major and minor league numbers, he's not a home run hitter. Yet I right. think there's been a lot of fly ball outs, you know, long, yes. pretty fly balls. And, and mm-hmm. I think um, that's probably not what got him to this point. And, and uh, you know, I remember in a, a very different but maybe similar player in a, to a degree in, in a guy like Reed Brignac. Um, for folks who remember, you know, that 28 to 2011, 12 period, um, he was a guy who, you know, I thought, you know, he had what uh, I think Mitch Lukovic, um, a race senior advisor now, called at the time dangerous power. You know, dangerous mm-hmm. enough to get you in trouble and think you could yeah. hit more home runs. And, yeah. and I think as, you know, Taylor may end up hitting more home runs later in his career. 
But I think if he gets back to the game of, you know, gap to gap line drives to start and the occasional home run, the Rays will take that. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. You're trying to survive and find out whether you, you know, trying to show that you belong and all of that at the same time. Um, you know, and, and I think if he just plays the game that got him to this point, he's, he's going to be a successful big leaguer. Yeah, it's just going to take a little more time. You're right. It seems like very few balls that are hit in the air um, become hits uh, anymore in the major leagues, and we saw that the other night. I just I've, I've, As far as position, guys, I want to finish on this. Brett Phillips' catch in center field, rank that one, because we've seen a lot of great center field play with the Rays and Kevin Kiermaier. That has, I thought there was no way, even when I watched it on replay, Neil, I thought there was no way he got there. It, it was an incredible play, and I thought it was a game-changing play, too. And, you know, mm-hmm. you look at the Rays this year, and defensively, they've been kind of a middle-of-the-pack defensive team because they haven't been consistent. In fact, that next night, you know, he and Randy Arozarena came together yeah. on a ball that um, when Corey Kluber was on the mound, it should have been caught, and yeah. he overslid it. But, you know, this catch, mm-hmm. I thought, and the Rays overcame that, which I think was really important. But I thought this particular play... Um, you know, I, I didn't think he had the opportunity to get there. And, you know, knowing that, you know, Josh Fleming, you talk about injuries, he went on the IL right after that appearance with an oblique issue. Um, you know, that changed the complexion of that game. And the fact that it could have been two, two and the go ahead run already at second base and what the second inning, uh, instead you maintained a lead, you were able to add on, they had to fight their way back and it became a, a real battle. And, um, you know, I think Brett's capable of that. And, and I hope that, you know, things start to improve for him offensively. I just can't imagine how, how you know, mentally draining that can be when you're when you're in the struggles that he's going through. And, you know, it, it's not for lack of effort. You know, you talk to anyone in that clubhouse, he's working as hard as he can mm-hmm. um, on the offensive end as anybody. And sometimes you can work too much and um you know hopefully he finds whatever that balance is and allows him to at least be close to the player he was last year because he was a valuable player from an offensive standpoint against right-handed pitching yeah just too much swing and miss right now he's struggling mm-hmm. to try to find his way sort of out of that slump all right as we uh, speak the uh, the rays uh, finished their series against the red sox who have had an awful time against the american league east for some ex- inexplicable reason but the american league east is all bunched up and so all these teams mm. now are beating each other, including the Baltimore Orioles, which as we do this, I don't know if they've won eight in a row or they lost the other night. I haven't checked the standings, but they're coming up as well. Uh, one thing that's been a constant is the New York Yankees. And the last time we spoke with you, this was also true. They have avoided, they are the opposite of the Rays. They have not had their stars go down on the IL like they have in the past. And as you said, this was always the fear, right, that if the Yankees could ever uh-huh. stay healthy, well, they're running away uh, with the best record in baseball. We all know that that day is coming, um, most likely, when you play 162 games. Um, but that aside, uh, look, it's not a stretch. I mean, how many teams in the AL East could actually make the playoffs here? They're all uh, in contention right now, and the Rays, as we do this, of course, would have the first wild card spot. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible if four of the five teams could make it. And, and with Baltimore winning their, their ninth in a row on Tuesday – you know, they're now at 500. So everybody in the division began play on Wednesday at 500 or better. Nobody's close to that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's hard to fathom. And, and kudos to Baltimore for getting themselves in this position because I don't think yeah. anyone thought it was feasible, to be frank. Um, yeah. They're much improved, 
but usually that doesn't manifest itself, you know, 80 some games into the year in a 500 record in this division. Right. Um, so they're, and I'm curious what happens to them then at the trading deadline, um, and, and how that, you know, uh, changes their, their makeup, their attitude, all of that going forward. Um, but you know, I think that, you know, this division is a bear. I think the one question mark is in another division where let's say, I mean, right now the A's are, are really, really bad. Um, the angels have played terrible baseball since the beginning and, and the firing of Joe Madden. You know, does that allow a team like Seattle to creep in there to the postseason race because they're playing really good baseball and catch one of these teams in the AL East? Um, mm. I think that's going to be probably the interesting part of play post-break. And then also with so many teams still hovering around 500, what teams are really going to sell um, at the trading right. deadline? You know, we got the right. draft next week. Then after that, the attention will go to the trading deadline and what if there's 20 teams that are vying for playoff spots and 10 teams trading? Um, <laughs> that doesn't lead to a whole lot of trades, at least by my count. Uh, you know, I'm not a math major, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it's when there's when there's two teams competing for a playoff spot for every one team that's selling. Um, that's not a good buying market for sure. No, definitely a seller's a seller's market. Um, you may have mentioned this already, but who do you have on this week in Rays baseball, Neil? So I'm trying to put two weeks together um, okay. at once with the All-Star break. And so right. the week of the 17th is going to be Shane McClanahan and Kyle Snyder um, and also uh, Peter Bendix and, um, uh, on, on you know, the, this season to date and then previewing the draft with, with Rob Metzler and um, okay. a national guest, Jonathan Mayo. And then the following week, uh, we're doing a sit-down with Corey Kluber about hitting 10 years of service. Um, and Kyle, just about how they've had to had to manage the staff and you know the challenges that they're going to face, uh, and then some of the top picks that are uh, eventually taken by the Rays, we'll also have on that week's show too because the draft is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and the Rays have I think it's four of the top seventy some odd picks. So you know this is a chance to hopefully replenish, continue to replenish. It's been a really really good farm system and you know, continue to do a really good job on the player development side of things for sure. Well, if you're a race fan, you have to listen to it. It's one of the best, you're, one of the best interviews, obviously, and interviewers, uh, and, and certainly uh, just is this a great, it's a great weekly series that uh, people must listen to. He's Neil Solon. He's the Rays pre and post game host. You hear him on play by play with Dave and Andy. Thanks so much, Neil. We appreciate it. And uh, if we don't talk to you, enjoy uh, the all-star break. Yeah, they need to move the draft away from the All-Star break. <laughs> I know, right? What the heck? You don't get yeah, a break. I, I mean, not, that's, that's not really fair, fullest, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. not the fullest of, of breaks, <laughs> but we'll, we'll kind of find a way to fit some, some time in. All right, we'll try, try to do that, and thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, as always. Anytime, Rick. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, the Rays will finish up their series with the Red Sox. The Baltimore Orioles, red hot, coming to town next. We'll discuss all of that. And we have your mailbag questions on tomorrow's podcast. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.